Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckes and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. What's up, everybody? It's time for another episode of the RJ Ringside Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, and I'm joined with our MMA writer, Adam Hill. We're brought to you by betonline.ag. We're going to have an interview for you here, so you're going to want to make sure to stay tuned. Check out Justin Janes, who had a huge knockout win, big finish in his debut in the UFC at UFC on Vegas 3. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you are listening. Follow along with everything that we're doing on Twitter, Adam Hill, LVRJ, and I'm at Heidi Fang. But right now, let's hear from Justin. Justin Janes. Interesting, interesting times for you, man. I know you've been uh, you've been working toward uh, this opportunity for a long time. So just, I guess, first of all, let's just start off with uh, finding out that you were going to have a chance uh, to to compete in the UFC. What was that experience like for you? Uh, you know, it's kind of surreal at the point. Uh, you know, it's when Jason called me on Wednesday night. Uh, it was kind of, I'm not, it wasn't really expected, I guess. Uh, you know, I've always been hoping, and you know hoping to expect it coming up here in the, in the near future. But when he actually called and delivered the call, it was kind of surreal. I was on my way to dinner and uh, kind of just told him, all right, and turned around, went home. And, uh, you know, it took me a couple of days, but I, I was so overwhelmed uh, with everything I had to do right away. I couldn't, couldn't really bask in it for too long. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing was, uh, I guess the best way to describe it is uh, overwhelming and surreal, really. All right. So I'm very fascinated by this. Where were you going to dinner? Oh, I was going to get Thai food, man. I go hard on the Thai food. <laughs> So I mean, you can't. I mean, I'm I'm assuming you're like, oh man, no noodles. I'm kind of screwed here. Like this is a tough decision, uh, but obviously an, an easy call. Like, hey, listen, it's a chance to go to the UFC. Um, but it, it's not the normal UFC experience, right? So at the apex, it's a different kind of feeling. As you're walking out, is it? Are you feeling the same thing that you think a lot of other fighters do when they say, "Hey, I'm walking out to the UFC"? Or is it different? Like, what is what does the venue change mean to that make, making your UFC debut? You know, coming coming from a wrestling background, high school wrestling, college wrestling background, most of the time, you know, your dual meets or, or your your matches, there's not very many people in the arena. So I've already had that experience through my whole life. Um, but it was tunnel vision, man. As soon as, as soon as my music came on, I started walking down through. I was tunnel vision. I didn't care if there was one person there, or a hundred thousand people there. I was I was on a mission, and uh, you know, I accomplished what I set out to do. When you when you're thinking about you know the fight, you don't you don't have long to think about it, which maybe in the end is helpful. I, I don't know, but when you're thinking about the fight, do you think it in your mind? Do you picture it going as well as it did for you? Uh, yeah, man, I've been visualizing that for for years and years and years, man. It's it's just like you know hitting that. You know, you have the bases loaded, uh, full count in baseball, and you hit your home run to you know your walk off home run to win the game. That's that's kind of how it was. You know, I've been visualizing that since I was like ten years old or something along, along that nature. Anyways, some major sport arena. So uh, yeah, I can't say I was surprised, um, but you know, to actually follow through and you know accomplish is it's uh, it's pretty awesome. It, you know, you mentioned you've been working through this for a while. You've been thinking about it for a while. Kind of kind of walk people through your your journey in MMA. Like, how did it begin? How did you decide you wanted to do this? And 
and then the process of getting through and, and making this the UFC, what was that experience like? And it's a, it's a, I'll try to make a long story short here, but you know, in 2007, I was working at a gym uh, called Steel City in Richmond, Michigan. A guy named Andy McGill uh, from my good high school wrestling round, and uh, I took a fight for really quick, there's 30 seconds to fight. There's a head kick thrown. I was like, man, I don't, I don't want to mess with this anymore. And I just, and I had no idea what any chokes were or anything like that. I just thought I was a tough kid. Um, after that, I said I'd take one more. We, I ended up taking one more. I won by decision. I fought in a VFW hall in front of like 20 people. And uh, then I was hooked after that. I went on like a seven-fight amateur winning streak and uh, fought some of the toughest guys around at that time. You know, that was back in the day when there was no sanctioning. So you could fight as much or as little as you want. You could fight every weekend. You could fight, you know, three times a week, five times a week if there was enough shows going on. Fight twice in the same night if you wanted to. Um, so, anyways, uh, fast forward a little bit to 2009. Uh, Darren Crookshank was my roommate in college. We wrestled at Olivet together, and uh, he came out to Vegas to Extreme Couture to train. And uh, I ended up following him out here. Uh, but you know, after I graduated college in 2011, I decided myself I want to be a professional fighter. I had to move to Las Vegas and train Extreme Couture full time. So I did my college internship at Extreme Couture my junior and senior year. And when I graduated, uh, the rest is history. I became one of the wrestling coaches there and uh, uh, turned pro in 2013. You know, I had 19 fights, had some highs and lows, uh, through a World Series of Fighting, uh, Bellator, TWC, WXC, uh, Fight Club, OC. Uh, and I fought, you know, I tried to fight as much as I could all around the world, fought in Scotland, fought in India. And then uh, to get this call, uh, you know, all, all the lows paid off. And, uh, Everything worked out the way it was supposed to. You, you have had a lot of highs, but as you said, there's there's always lows in anybody's journey. Was there ever a time where you questioned, you know, your your journey or, or your you know decision to go to this route? Yeah, definitely, all all the time, monthly, daily, almost. <laughs> you know, especially recently, um, you know, taking the losses is probably the hardest thing uh, because you know, take you're inching forward on your wins and you're losing feet on your losses. You know, uh, when I lost to. Uh, when I lost to Jesse Gross, it put me six and three, and uh, I was really depressed there. I remember going to the bar afterwards and talking to one of my best friends at the time and telling him that I just don't think I have, you know, what it takes anymore. It's going to take too much time to get back on a winning streak, you know, because you lose, you you can, you can win five fights in a row and then just ruin that whole streak with one loss. And I did that a couple times throughout my career, you know, early on losing to Jesse Gross when I was six and three or losing to Tommy Aaron when I'm on a five fight win streak at eleven and three. So. Uh, yeah, the, the losses are the low because when you lose, you know you have to put in at least four, three, four, five more fights, which could be, you know, two to three more years into the sport, two to three more years without making any money. So that's uh, I was able to persevere through all that. Uh, fortunately, like I said, got the call and uh, all in a day, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously that, that debut was uh, something that a lot of people were talking about. How, how long after that win does it kind of settle in like, Oh my God! I took a fight on a couple days' notice in the UFC, and I won in the first minute. That was unbelievable. Yeah, that uh, that took a while, and I'm <laughs> still kind of adjusting to that. Honestly, just again being overwhelmed by media, being overwhelmed by you know fans, being overwhelmed by the UFC in general. Um, it's still sinking in. Um, you know, when I woke up the next day, I, first thing I did was I remember I was in the hotel at my hotel and I put take my right hand, put it on my forehead just to make sure I still had a scar there. You know, just to make sure I had stitches there because. It's a dream come true, man. It's like the stuff that, you know, fighters dream about and uh, not even just dream about winning, but dream about, you know, finishing their first fight in 30 seconds with, you know, a couple of big shots right out the get go. And uh, I was able to get in there and do it and I'll know for the rest of my life. 
I was curious about, and you mentioned this in your post-fight um, speech, that you really want to get after Jakar Close because yeah. he beat you in a high school wrestling match. Can you describe the terms of this wrestling match, what happened in it? And uh, I know you're hungry to get at him, so uh, tell, tell us why what happened in this sure. match. Well, I, I think Jakar is just an awesome athlete in general. I think he's an awesome fighter. He's an awesome athlete in high school. Uh, and he's a great person, too, so it's not a personal shot of him. But, you know, in 2007, uh, the whole year I was ranked second in the state. He was ranked first in the state. Uh, we both win our region. Uh, and then we by some bracketing, we both get put on the same side of the bracket. Uh, he was 55-0. and 0, I was 58-0. And, and uh, from my understanding, from if the way I remember it, he beats me by one stalling point, which is a referee discretion call, if, if you know wrestling scoring. So I was really salty about that. You know, we should have – it would have been always nice to go to overtime you know, see who actually won the ref. We just, the ref would just let her cross off, but that was a long time ago. And, uh, I do want to fight your car down the road. I want to get a little momentum going. You know, I want to get some brand behind my name. You know, your already has a big name. He's like five and one or five and two in the UFC. Like, uh, me being one and oh, you know, it's, I feel like a little puppy trying to bite bark at the big dog, but, uh, uh, give me two or three more wins in a row. And, uh, me and your car handling our business from 2007 would be, uh, another fairy tale story. I love this though because I feel like you already have like a hit list because you want Alex Caceres too. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, uh, you know, before I got in the UFC, I was like, you know, I'm looking at some of these guys that I know I can beat at this time, and you know, Alex was one of them. And I saw him tweeting about something, and I, and I, I just kind of put it out there publicly. I was like, dude, man, I'd smash you. Like, I don't, I don't know how you got in or anything like that. And we kind of had some playful banter back and forth, and I remember him ending, and I'm paraphrasing, but it's something like, when you get to the UFC, let me know, kind of deal. <laughs> And uh, I'm here now, so let's go. So, I mean, I, I love this. This is great. Like, But do you think this is also, like, part of what you need on this level? Like, you need to generate some rivalries. Not you in particular. I'm just saying, like, fighters that can generate these rivalries and get those matches uh, that people want to see for some particular reason, like, that's always going to build up the excitement. That's always going to build up uh, the, the name recognition and all those things. Like, is that part of your thought process as you enter the UFC here? I think it's very important, but it has to happen organically. Yeah. You know, it, it can't be like, I can't just go down the roster and be like, oh, that's a good matchup. Let me call him a, something like that. Like, Drakkar, obviously, and I, you know, it's it's not it's not a heated rivalry, but there is a little bit of a rivalry there. And, you know, I think that has a good story behind it. And uh, Casares, you know, a couple of years ago, I'm we're talk, talking on Twitter back and forth. And, you know, that, that kind of has a little fun fun twist to it, especially when he says, you know, like, let me know when you get to the UFC. Well, three, four years later, here I am. And, ready to knock his head off so i feel these you know these aren't these aren't made up rivalries i didn't go down the lineup and you know start calling guys out this has been you know this has been you know kind of talking a little bit for years and years and uh yeah i think it's the right way but you know when when i see people just again go down the roster and try to pick a name out like everybody calls out conor mcgregor i just think that's a terrible brand and you know it's uh, i think you just you know get some momentum going and eventually you know you, if you beat all these guys you keep calling out you know you'll be able to call out the bigger names but until then you know um Alex Caceres, Jakar, Klaus, and, uh, you know, Austin Hubbard. You guys are on my radar, so uh, I'm ready to go. I saw that one. Did the Austin Hubbard one just get, get born uh, on that night? Uh, yeah, you know, Max and I have trained together a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, he's, he's always been a great training partner. He's a great grappler, and he's, and he's taught me a lot and helped me a lot, you know, because he's such a high-level grappler. And, uh, you know, it's, it's nothing personal to Austin, but he beat my boy, so, you know, I want to avenge my loss that guy around a little bit all right guys on that note we'll go ahead step away and hear a word from our sponsor with currently no nba nhl or mlb you might think there's nothing to bet on 
Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. What weight class do you think you're going to be long term in the UFC? Uh, you know what? I'm gonna lightweight is uh, is my home for now. But you know what? Uh, if if uh, I got a big opportunity at featherweight and I got a full camp, uh, you know I'll, I'll go down there too. You know it's uh, as as I said in my post fight interview. I don't care if it's 45, 55, or 70. You know I'm just looking for good openings and exciting fights, man. I don't you know have coming from a college wrestling background. I don't really care to uh, sit in exchange and grappling or sit in exchange and wrestling. I want to kind of get in the phone booth and uh, swing and see what happens. So. You know, obviously the UFC is going to be here for a while. They're going to, to Fight Island for a little bit, but then they'll be back here in Vegas uh, long term. Would you Would you want? I mean, you know, whatever opportunity. If it's a good opportunity, I'm sure you're you'll be excited about it. But would you want like a full camp type notice, or do you want to just be on call and let somebody know, like, hey, I'll fight this week? Uh, I'm both. You know, I, I'm down for both, man. It's uh, the short notices are, are are fine. You know, like I said. A lot of my amateur career was all short notice. A lot of times, I, I remember a couple times in Michigan, I'd be showing up just to the events just to watch, and the promoter will come out and be like, "Hey, man, we have an opening. Can you jump in?" I'd be, I put my beer down and go, go dress up in the back. So, short notice doesn't affect me I, as long as I'm in shape, as long as I'm training consistently. Right now, I'm out of, I'm on medical suspension for 45 days. I got a pretty gnarly uh, cut in my forehead. So, uh, once that heals, and, uh, I'll be back to be in shape and probably two or three weeks. And, uh, you know, I, like I said, I, I, I don't need a full camp to perform the way I perform. So, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, short notice or full term, uh, you know, I'm your huckleberry. Okay. I wanted to ask this story and I know you've told it a lot this week, but for our listeners, tell everybody here how you got the nickname guitar hero. Uh, it's, it's a very, actually a really simple story. So when I was in college, uh, uh, me and my buddies were drinking in 2010, you know, uh, guitar hero was like the big thing, you know, it's when I was in college, just everybody played guitar hero. So after a couple of beers, you know, I'd get up on the table and I'd play guitar hero, standing on the table, dancing around, acting like an idiot, you know, just having fun. And, uh, one of my buddies dared me to, he's like, I bet you won't come out to the ring, you know, strumming a guitar hero, you know, to the song of ACDC. And I said, bet. So I had I put my aviator sunglasses on my headband and, uh, I, I got a couple of funny pictures on Facebook of, me in a crowd of, you know, through two, 2,000, 1,000, 2,000 people pretending I'm playing this guitar as I uh, rock it out all the way to the cage. Was Freebird the hardest song to play on Guitar Hero or not? You know, the, the irony, uh, Freebird, I'm trying to, the irony of the whole thing is I wasn't even that good at Guitar Hero, to be honest. I just thought I was. I could only play a couple songs on Expert, so uh, <laughs> I wasn't even that good. So, I, But uh, to your story, Freebird is the hardest song to play. Uh, on guitar here not that i couldn't i couldn't strum three notes of it so uh yeah i hung up the guitar in like 2010 that's why I like when sure dog you know i've emailed sure dog like three or four times uh to try to take it down and uh they never responded to me so i was like right, just leave it you know it's uh you know as an amateur almost every fight i would change my fight name and you know honestly at the beginning of my career not as a professional but as an amateur 
uh, I was a really boring fighter. I just was a grappler wrestler and I just rush guys in and take them down and look for rear naked chokes, look for guillotines. So I knew that my fighting style was boring at that time. So I was always trying to come up with a gimmick where people would want to see me fight and get excited about me fighting. So I would always do like silly stuff. Like I remember coming out to the karate kid wearing like a, a full gi and a black belt, big aviator sunglasses and like a yin yang uh, thing uh, on my forehead. And uh, the, again, the guitar hero, there's another one where, you know, I, I dressed up like a, like a star Wars character and I was just in the Jedi jeans and uh, like, it, it was just all these little funny gimmicks. And because I, I always knew that uh, at that time, again, in 2010, when I was like a boring, you know, 2009, 2010, when I was just like a boring wrestler that people weren't going to remember me for these exciting knockouts. They're going to remember me for my walkout. I can't tell you how many times I've, you know, been in Michigan at a, at a local show and be like, Oh, you're the guy that strummed the guitar all the way to the cage. Or I did it for tough enough once, you know, where I, where I did it, you know, every now and then like, Oh yeah, you were that guy again back when, you know, I was boring, but we're talking 10 years ago. So I've like to, I hope I've changed my fighting style enough to where uh, uh, people remember me for my knockouts now. We were going to let you go, but I, I want to follow up on that real quick because I, I actually, uh, you, you said boring a couple of times. I, I, how important do you think style is? And I, I know what you said, hey, people aren't going to remember it if you have that style. But to me, like I look at the Curtis Blades fight and you know Dana, Dana White criticized him afterwards for, you know, for just wrestling. But like, isn't the point of a fight to win? Like, I feel like that's what you're trying to do when you're in there. So for, for me, honestly, getting to the UFC was my main goal. And yes, to get to the UFC, you have to win. But now that I'm here, a whole I got to, just took a whole backpack of bricks off my back, a big weight off my back, because now I can go in there and have fun and try to knock these guys out. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, it, it, the point. Yeah, it's all history. The point is, is to win, of course. But I'm telling you what, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather put on a, a three or a five round war where we're bleeding and just scrapping and lose then take somebody down and land them for 15 minutes. You know, I'm, I'm here. I'm fighting for performance bonuses. I'm fighting for knockout of the night bonuses. Uh, I mean, nobody, nobody takes somebody down and lays on them for 15 minutes or 25 minutes. And Dana White's like, oh, my God, I'm going to give you the win of the night bonus. You know what I mean? That just, that just doesn't happen. You know, at the end of my career, you know, whether it's short-lived or long-lived, whether I have, you know, four fights or 100 fights in the UFC, I just want people to remember, like, that guy came and he scrapped and he put it all on the line every time. And if he got knocked out, he got knocked out. If, he knocked his opponent out. He knocked his opponent out. And that's kind of what I want to be remembered for. Last thing for me, um, for the nickname thing, just one last time. Did you hear John Anna calling you Jesse James? And will you consider wearing a cowboy outfit with, you know, some uh, shoot 'em up kind of little guns or something like that for next time? <laughs> just because he kept calling yeah, you, you know, Jesse I, James. Yeah, I, I don't care about that stuff. It was, at the end of it, I, I don't care about that stuff. Like, uh, I, I, John, John is one of the best in the business, man. He's, I, I was, it was an honor. Even though he messed my name up, I don't, I don't care, man. It was, it was an honor to uh, just, uh, just uh, to, to be, to be uh, talking to him at that time. You know what I mean? Like I said, he's one of the best in the business. Hey, uh, you know what? I'm glad that uh, you know he made the mistake. I'm glad that he made the mistake on me and not somebody else because I know some people, some people would be really salty and care about that, and I, I really don't care. Like I said, I was honored just to have him calling me and talking to me uh, during that time. So he called me whatever he wants. Nobody's forgetting your name anytime soon. We really, yeah. really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much, and uh, and good luck going forward. Hey, thanks, man. I appreciate you guys' time. Have a good night. Thanks, man. You too. 
Again, everybody, that was Justin Jeans, Guitar Hero, as he wants to keep his nickname going in the UFC. Maybe we'll see him walk out, guns a-blazing, who knows? We'll have to wait until the next time this young man competes, but I can't wait to see him back in the octagon. It's going to be fireworks, I think, when he does get his next fight. So that's somebody you're going to want to keep your eye on, but that'll do it for us here for the RJ Ringside Podcast tonight, brought to you by betonline.ag. And don't forget, check us out on Twitter. You can follow Adam at Adam Hill. LVRJ and I'm at Heidi Fang and keep up with everything that he's doing in print or online at reviewjournal.com. Thanks so much for listening.